0: That's ixl.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I am your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Your to-do list is a hungry monster that is never satisfied. For the last year and a half, I've helped principals get awards, get promoted, and find the time to do the work that really matters. I recently opened a new mastermind slot. Schedule a call with me and let's overcome the stressed and isolated principal position together. Go to the show notes for this episode at TransformativePrincipal.org and click schedule a call with Jethro. So this interview with Jeff Woods, I was going to uh, release in line with, you know, just when I put out the rest of mine. However, it was so powerful that I really wanted to share it with you today because it is really, really good. And what I would Invite you to do number one is as he's asking me these questions, I would invite you to answer the questions as if he's asking them to you because that will have a powerful impact on you. And the second thing is that if you are looking for an opportunity to engage in this type of questioning and learning how to be a better principal yourself, I would encourage you to look into joining my mastermind because. That is what we are doing every single week, and we're getting better at it because of things like this interview here. So uh, go to transformativeprinciple.org slash mastermind and schedule a call with me so we can talk about joining the mastermind and having this kind of coaching experience every single week because it is that awesome. Thanks so much for listening. Here's my interview with Jeff Woods. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am very excited to have Jeff Woods on the show today. He is the host of The One Thing and the vice president of Keller Inc., uh, the home of The One Thing. And uh, if you have not read the book, The One Thing Yet by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan, uh, you definitely should. We'll talk a little bit about that, but I am really excited to go deep with Jeff today. So, Jeff, thank you so much for uh, being part of the podcast today. Of course, Jethro. Thanks for having me. So I bought The One Thing earlier this year, and it has really made a huge impact on my day-to-day life as a school principal. And I want to talk a little bit about that. But would you first give us an overview of what The One Thing is for those who haven't uh, heard of it yet?
1: Yes. the, The one thing is the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. It's the idea that every single day, especially as principals, you wake up having a lot of things that you could do. You know, all the things you could do for your students, all the things you could do for your parents, all the things you could do for your teachers, all the things you could do for your superintendents, your your school boards. Yet there is often one thing that you can do such that by doing it makes everything else easier or unnecessary. The book and, and the podcast really take you on a journey for how do you get clarity on what your true most important priorities are? The handful of things that if you just did those would make everything else easier
0: or unnecessary. How do you do that first? And that that is a very simple truth. And yet it's very difficult. <laughs> Seldomly do <that>. done. <laughs> yeah. Seldomly done. So this year I came to a new school and I've got a new assistant principal and we I ordered the book in the summer and read it then. And we talked about what our one thing would be. And together, we decided that the one thing that we could do was to be in classrooms every day for at least two hours, working with teachers, working with students. And we did that for a while. And as I listened to your podcast more, um, you know, we were staggering our times throughout the day. And often that would get overscheduled. And so we changed it so that before lunch, we would be in classrooms and after lunch, we would do all the other things. Mm-hmm. And the coolest thing that happened was that during that time, we had a experience where we started doing it in the morning and then everything else that we got done was just like bonus stuff to accomplish. And it was amazing because I knew that that's what should happen. And yet it was so empowering to know that we did the important thing first And then we were able to move on to the next thing. Can I ask you some questions about that? Sure.
1: What were you hoping to accomplish by being in the
0: classroom with teachers and students before lunch? We were hoping to make sure that the most important thing that we needed to do, which was provide feedback to teachers and build relationships with students, would be accomplished by being in there before school starts or before lunch starts.
1: What happened as a result of consistently protecting your time and focusing it on that one thing.
0: The amazing thing that happened is that all those other things that we needed to do, deal with discipline issues, deal with teacher questions and complaints, deal with parent issues, a lot of those, not all of them, but a lot of them kind of disappeared very, very quickly. So we didn't we didn't have those issues anymore, right? <laughs> so so
1: now I'm gonna put myself in the mind of one of the principals who's listening to this who's saying that's not possible. What do you yeah. mean they just disappeared?
0: So we would we would go to classrooms where we knew students would be struggling, where we knew that kids would be jumping off the walls and going crazy, and that would our presence would prevent those issues from happening first of all, but then just being out in the school, in the hallways, in the classrooms, we would be able to deal with issues right then and there instead of waiting for them to show up at our office later in the day.
1: What I'm hearing you say is that by intentionally time blocking, protecting time to do your most important work, to be in the classroom, not only did you form better relationships with the teachers. Not only did you form better relationships with the students, but just by being there, people changed the way that they showed up in the world. And the, a lot of the issues that would have normally popped up suddenly did not occur.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: So you're saying that was one thing that made a lot of things easier or unnecessary.
0: That's correct.
1: Okay. Now, I'm imagining a principal... Hearing this and going, yeah, but there's all these things that I need to do throughout the day. I never have enough time at the end of the day to get everything done. You're telling me you just took half your day to be in the classroom. How did you get everything else done?
0: Well, when I realized that I wanted to get home at a decent hour, then I made sure that I did those important things that did actually need to get done next. And then a lot of things I just haven't gotten done. But what about all
1: those things that didn't get done?
0: Well, they just didn't get done so I I survived did the world fall apart no I I have it will cease to exist no huh it didn't and I have gotten some uh, some pushback saying why haven't you done these things yet and when I got that pushback from my supervisor then I did those things so mm. I I waited until it was hey you need to get on this before I did those right but honestly Jeff it, it didn't really get to that point for many things, most things I was able to accomplish with that shortened time span. Right. So here's here's why I
1: asked Jethro all these questions. We tell ourselves the story every single day that we have to get it all done. It's the number one lie of productivity, the lie that everything matters equally. We treat checking email like it matters equally To engaging with our students. We treat attending meetings like it matters equally to engaging with parents. The truth is, they are not equal. Every single day, you have two buckets that all of your quote to dos can fit into your most important work and everything else. If you're familiar with the 80-20 principle, the idea that 80% of your results come from just 20% of your activities, what Jethro has done is he has learned how to identify what his 20% is. The true 20% activities that will give 80% of the results. And he has arranged his schedule so that that 20%, those 20% activities are getting the lion's share of his time. That's why he can be in the classroom before lunch Taking up half his day and still feel like he's getting making a massive impact. And all those little to do's that often mask as being urgent, they're not really important. We just tell ourselves the story that they're important because, quote, our superintendent asked us for this. But it's not actually something that moves the needle. Now, Jethro, can I coach you on this a little bit?
0: Yes, please.
1: The next time your superintendent says, hey, but what about X? and you understand that that is actually not an important activity it's just an 80% item what could you communicate so that person would understand why it's not done and that it's not going to get done
0: so that's that's a part where i'm still struggling and i'm not sure of the answer on that because sure. it should be pretty obvious but you know the the new budget we're getting ready to to plan that for next year and like those are important things but at the same time, a lot of it is out of my control until the state legislature approves how much we're going to get. And so mm-hmm. I can do some preliminary work, but but why should I be wasting all this effort on planning that when we're not going to make a decision on that until June of next right. year?
1: So here's, and this is where living the one thing really comes down to communication. You know, we've helped thousands of people live this through our membership that I know you're a part of, Jethro. Yet the question ultimately comes up, how do I implement this in my school? How do I implement this in my company? Um, Especially when you report to someone else who doesn't get the principles. A perfect example of this is my executive assistant. Her one thing is me, right? She wakes up every single day trying to make my life run smoother. And if you ask her what her biggest distraction is, she will tell you it's me. Yeah, And what I have empowered her to do and trained her to do is that if I am coming by to drop something off, an 80% item that I just don't want to get done that she needs to handle, and she's in the middle of doing her most important work, she says, Jeff, my one currently is X. I'm hearing you say I need to do Y, which is more important? And I actually cannot think of a single time in a year that I've told her to switch priorities So Jethro, I'm asking you the question. The next time your superintendent asks you, hey, what about X, Y, and Z? What would it look like for you to say, what's what's your superintendent's name? Uh, Karen. Hey, Karen, totally hear you saying that I need to get X, Y, and Z done. Um, I believe currently the things that matter most are ABC. I'm hearing you say I need to get X, Y, Z done. Which is the priority right now? And you put it back on them. Now, let me ask you a question here, Jethro. What do you think Karen's going to think about you when you
0: communicate that way? Well, I think she's going to appreciate if the X, Y, and Z are truly the right things (laughs) in her mind. I think she's going to really appreciate that.
1: Let me ask you this. You have people that report to you, right? Yep. Who's the person that you respect more and that you want to promote faster the person who runs around like a chicken with their head cut off anytime somebody says ooh urgent or the person who is who demonstrates that they are in control of their time who is clear about the things that matter most and is able to execute in in order of priority
0: um obviously the latter right and i'm i'm thinking about teachers that are doing just that and and that's where like that the power of the one thing, especially in schools, which, you know, is not your target market. And I'm having to do some translation from business to, um, to the schoolhouse. Mm -hmm. But when that is the focus, it is truly amazing. And those people really do produce amazing results with their kids.
1: Yeah, well, and, and like you said, we we when the book was written for business owners, entrepreneurs, um, that's definitely the core of our audience. Yet, um, we've brought this to schools before. It absolutely translates. It's just instead of saying your board, your CEO, you're saying your superintendent. You know, your school board, your parents, yeah. your students. You're just replacing names. Yet the pr- the principles,
0: uh, they're timeless. Yeah, they absolutely are. And so I think about teachers who are really focused on teaching the kids and building relationships and making sure that they are meeting the needs of the kids. And so my one thing for a teacher would be that you give the students what they need when they need it, Mm. whether that's social, emotional, or, um, or academic or just time. And sometimes a kid needs a nap and you need to let a kid sleep and, and that's an okay thing. And, um, but you got to understand the kid well enough to give them what they need when they need it.
1: Right, right. Well, that's very similar to you've heard us share the defi- our definition of leadership is teaching people how to get or teaching people how to think so they can get what they need when they need it,
0: <laughs> which is very similar to yours. Yes, I'm finding a lot of similarities in 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 what I'm learning from you and and the things that I've that I've been thinking about education for a long time. so Surprisingly simple uh, truth behind extraordinary results, yeah, my friend. I know. So I, I do want to ask, on the One Thing podcast, episode 87, there's a link to that in the show notes at transformativeprinciple.org. Jeff talks about lessons learned from two years of doing this, <laughs> which is, it's it's an awesome episode. And it's, the thing that I like about it is that you're admitting that you're not perfect, even though, you know, you should be the quote unquote guru at this. And one of the things that you say in there is that one of the habits or the one thing that you decided on was asking better questions. So can you talk about your process of getting better at asking questions? And the reason I ask this is as principals who are supervising teachers and helping them improve their practice, that I think is a key habit that we need to use to be able to help our teachers improve their practice. Cause we can't just go in and tell them this is how you teach better. They have to come up with that themselves in a way that makes sense. And asking questions is the way to do that.
1: Yes. So I have to give background as to where this came from. My partner who is one of the co-authors of the one thing, his name is Gary Keller. He started a company called Keller Williams Realty. It's the largest real estate company in the world. And Gary has not been the CEO of KW for over 20 years he hasn't been at the helm for over 20 years. He's been chairman of the board. And when you look at the growth of the company, it's been exponential since. you ask the question, I I look at somebody like Gary and ask, what are the key habits that he formed that allowed him to create that reality? Because FM Alexander says people don't decide their futures, they decide their habits and their habits decide their futures. What habits did Gary acquire that allowed him to build an empire? And this absolutely applies to principles as well. So, so pay close attention. Gary was a master of recruiting talented individuals into his world. Just like, do you, you have uh, a job of recruiting amazing, talented teachers into your world? Okay. Yes. Um, And then once they are in your world, coaching them to their possibilities not to what they think their potential is, but for you to have such a big vision for them and for you to be able to ask powerful questions that will help them think so they can get what they need when they need it. I realized I am not showing up as the best leader because I am telling people what to do instead of asking them questions. So I teach them how to think so they can get what they need when they need it. How do you go about doing that? First thing is take inventory. As you go throughout your day, you're a principal for a reason. How often are you telling somebody what to do? How often are you telling them the answer? More often than I'd like. Right. And how do people learn? By thinking and talking. By thinking and talking. So telling a student or telling a teacher what to do, is that the ultimate way for them to really take it in and embody it? Not at all. No, you do it through questions. So first thing is just to become aware of how often you are telling. And I, I, the idea of thinking big and going small, I thought big in terms of being the type of person who asks powerful questions, who coaches people to their possibilities. And then I went really small asking, what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it would make becoming a great coach easier or unnecessary? That answer was to just one time a day ask a question when I normally would have told. So for you, when you think about uh, a teacher and you want to tell them that they need to do, actually, Jethro, give me a real example. What's a time recently when you told a teacher what to
0: do? It's just about every day. It feels like where, (laughs) (laughs) where I tell a teacher to how to deal with a particular student. And um, so like, can you, can you give us an example and not use it? Yeah, those? absolutely. That's what I'm trying to work through in my mind right now is basically giving the student what they need in that moment. So the student okay. is, you know, distressed or dysregulated or whatever, and they are, you know, causing problems in the classroom. So, you know, I would say something like, well, why don't you, and that sounds like a question, but it's not, <laughs> why don't you um, allow that student to take a break and, sit in the hall for two minutes and then come back in and continue working with the class.
1: Great. Now, now that you have done this in the past, what question could you have asked the teacher that would have allowed them to self-discover that that was the right
0: solution? I think I could have asked, what is causing the student to behave this way?
1: Mm, Great question. And they would have said what?
0: He is unengaged, lazy, doesn't want to do school, those kinds of of answers.
1: Okay. And what question could you have asked after that?
0: (laughs) Why do you think he is bored, disengaged from school? Which would have been responded to with? Um, Something probably like he doesn't care. It's not my fault. It's his fault. He has to choose to participate in class.
1: If that were actually the answer that we that we have to have a sidebar conversation about, is that the right person to be a teacher? Because I, anytime I see people pointing blame, that's not a leader. Yeah. That's not accepting accountability. Yeah. Um, but let's say that was the answer. What question could you have asked?
0: What in your classroom could you do to get a different response from this particular student? Mm, good. What would they have said? I could have... <laughs> See, this is really challenging, Jeff, because uh, sometimes their answers are not what I think they would be. And and I'm finding a lot that that blaming students for their problems is is a go to response for some teachers.
1: This is who's that a reflection of of them, which means they're ultimately a reflection of their environment. Who do they report to me? Dang it. So, so who's that who's that a reflection of me yeah you get what you tolerate I heard um, somebody in our world his name is Gene Rivers said standards without consequences are merely suggestions standards without consequences are merely suggestions do you as a principal know clearly what your standards are the draw the line in the sand you do not get to cross this and if you cross it you best believe there will be consequences. We find most people don't actually have their standards, let alone have them written down, let alone have they shared them with the people in their world so that they know it clearly. I'm hearing you say that this is a go-to response, and by your tone, I'm hearing you say that that, you you don't accept that.
0: That's right. Correct? Yep. Yet, are you accepting it? So then my question to you is, what do those consequences look like? And how do I affect that change in my system? I'm
1: going to turn the table on you. I'm fine with that. Somebody says it's not my fault, it's the student. What is the first consequence that could be brought to the table?
0: That I say, no, it is your fault. Or I I ask a better question.
1: (laughs) Right. Consequences doesn't have to mean you're fired. Right. (laughs) Which I'm which immediately when we start getting into unions and all that other stuff, you know, I, I don't I'm not the expert like you are. However, a consequence could be as simple as, hey, I hear what you're saying. We don't think that way in this school. There's a lot of things that we can't control. And yet there's always some things that we can control. And I refuse. We at this school as teachers and leaders in this school, we refuse to point the finger. Because anytime you point the finger at someone, you realize you actually have three fingers pointing right back at you. In fact, for everybody who's listening to this, go ahead and point the finger out right now. Extend your arm and point your finger like you're pointing out into the distance. And realize how your thumb is clasping over your middle finger. Your middle finger, your ring finger, and your pinky are pointing straight back at you. Accountability starts by looking in the mirror. So my question is, why are you tolerating allowing your teachers to think that way?
0: Probably because I fear um, the the implications of coming in strong and, and challenging that belief. I feel like mm. I, I did that at the last school that I was at, and because I didn't have the relationships in place, then uh, I never developed trust with those people that I called out. Not that I necessarily wanted trust with those people, but even when their behavior did change and they started doing things better, then they still thought that I was out to get them. And, um, and there was no way that they were ever going to get over that. What I'm hearing
1: you say is it wasn't actually confronting the activity. It was about how you confronted the activity. Yeah. I think you're probably right. Right. So when I look at, and this is the, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. This is where I'm blessed to have, Gary Keller is a partner and his co-author Jay Papazan as a partner because they model what this looks like really, really, really well. And they're always come from the position of how do I help you get what you want first? What do your teachers want? Do you even know what their goals are? What an amazing life looks like five years from now? Um,
0: no, I don't.
1: How would you feel, Jethro, if if your superintendent sat down with you and said, Jethro, I just want to get to know you better. Fast forward five years What does an amazing life look like? What are you doing in your career? How can I help you get
0: there? How would you feel? I'd feel good. And um, she actually did do that with me when I was going through the interview process. And what did that do in
1: terms of your relationship with her?
0: It solidified it. It aligned our visions so that when I started leading in this school, then I knew that I was on the right page. And she affirmed that when I showed her what my... Um, four-year goals for the school were and they were Mm -hmm. in line with what she would want for the school as well. Here's why that's important.
1: You can have everything you want in life if you just help enough other people get what they want first is what Zig Ziglar shared with us. You want to build that relationship. You want to be the type of person who can bring candor and care to the table, to the relationship, you have to understand where they're going. Because in that moment when they start pointing the finger and saying, oh, the student, the student, the student, if you first and foremost understand they believe that you want to help them advance in their career, then you get to tie it in. Hey, I know that ultimately one day you want to be a principal. Which way do you think gets you there? By being the type of person who points the finger or by, the, by being the type of person who first and foremost asks, what can I do differently, comes up with a solution and executes. That way, bringing accountability to the table in those conversations is actually something that's helping them advance in their career. See a
0: difference? Yeah, I do.
1: It doesn't always have to... Accountability does not have to be this tough word. It doesn't have to have a negative connotation. It can be as simple as, hey, I hear that you're saying this. Totally understand in your situation. Maybe it is the student, but let's be honest, you're not a puppeteer. You can't control them. What can you do differently? What can you do differently to influence this, to help that student, to take a stand for that student's greatness instead of allowing them to fight for their limitations? Now, did that sound like I was laying down the hammer? No. No, not at all. But I'm reinforcing that we don't think that way. And if it continues, that's when the heat can ratchet up. Yeah. You didn't see this going this direction, did you? <laughs> so let's let's bring it back to the high level. Um, for everybody who's listening to this, as a principal, you have so many hats you have to wear. You have so many balls that are up in the air. What I love about what you've done, Jethro, is you you started living the book. You got purposeful about saying this is the one thing. If I can just be in the classroom every day, that makes everything else easier unnecessary. And you prove to yourself that first and foremost, you're actually in control of your time. You've proved to yourself that by doing less, you can actually achieve more. And you've self-discovered that when you actually do narrow your focus, that all that 80% stuff that everybody tells themselves they have to do, a lot of it, it just it it either goes away or it just doesn't matter it really doesn't now that you're living the book at a higher level now it's about succeeding through others which if you remember our our model for mastering your time you move from treading to implementing to mastering to empowering time time treading implementing mastering empowering now it's about how do you get other people to live it and this is why when we started having these conversations about what are you tolerating what are your standards this is about you as a leader teaching people how to think so they can get what they need when they need it.
0: Yeah, and as I've learned more about it and thought more about it, I've really started to believe that the empowering part like I can't be the teacher for, you know, the 400 students in my school. That's that's just not possible. So I have to empower others to do it. And if I'm not empowering them in the right way, then there's no way that we can Reach the level that I want us to get to, and so i'm I'm thinking that the one thing that I should really be focusing on is that my role is to set a vision and build a culture to meet that vision mm. um, because right now my one thing is to be in classrooms and support teachers, but i don't I don't have that bigger purpose, and so I think that what my one thing should be is setting that vision and then teaching people in building a culture to meet that vision. Does that make sense? Okay.
1: Yes. And so this, can I coach you on this a little? Yes, please. So anytime you put an and in there, it moves from being one thing to two things. So which makes the other easier or unnecessary? Getting clarity on the vision or sharing it with other people?
0: Mm-hmm. Probably getting clarity. Okay,
1: great. What's the one thing you can do such that by doing it would make getting clarity
0: on your vision easier or unnecessary? Well, I feel like I already have clarity on my vision of what I want the school to be. So maybe it's sharing it. Because when you ask the question like that, then I, I don't feel like I need to do more work in that area. What I need to do is, is as I'm in classrooms, is share that vision with the teachers oh. and the students more often. Great. So it's
1: actually you actually don't need to get clarity because you already have it. <laughs>
0: Yeah.
1: Awesome. Uh, And folks, by the way, this is the power of having somebody else ask you questions because it's really tough to read the label when you're inside the box of your own life. (laughs) It is. Yeah. So uh, cool. So you got your vision. What's the one thing you can do to share it?
0: So I think that every day that I'm in classrooms, I need to make sure that I'm communicating that with one teacher whose classroom. I'm in either how she's making it, what she's doing is contributing to that vision or coach her on what she could be doing to contribute to that vision.
1: Awesome. So I'm hearing you say that the one thing you can do is to share your vision with a teacher every single day. Yes. Okay, awesome. Um, That's very similar to when I realized I wanted to become a master of asking great questions. It came down to simply asking a question once a day where I would have told can we can we dive a little deeper? Yeah. What will that look like?
0: So that will look like when, when a teacher is giving kids what they need when they need it, then I'm naming it and asking a question of either how she got to that point of giving kids what they need when they need it or how she could... Role play it. Okay, so... All right, Uh, Jeff, I'm glad I was in your class today. I saw this situation where all the students were working on this and you went over and had a quiet moment with this kid and you talked about um, helping him get focused and get this specific project done. Why did you decide to do that today? How did you know that he needed that extra touch? I could just see it in them. He He clearly looked like he was lost and I wanted to help him. Great. And so how can you do that with another student next period?
1: I guess I can just be vigilant and watch who's the the person who looks like they're lost most and give them a little extra TLC. So
0: if you if you're able to see that, how are you going to structure your lesson in a way that you have the time to give him the extra TLC? hmm
1: So you're going down, you're asking great questions. My question for you is how does this relate
0: to sharing your vision? So that is my vision that we give kids what they need when they need it and that we do that all throughout the day.
1: Great. So how can you actually say that and affirm it so you are constantly tying back to what the culture is?
0: Okay. So Jeff, I saw that you gave that kid some extra TLC. That aligns with our vision of giving kids what they need when they need it how can you do that in your next period awesome awesome yeah so you're getting it
1: right i i remember in studying culture you know the the principal does not own the culture the culture is owned by every single person in the organization every single person owns a piece of it now as the principal you get to cast the vision and to consistently reinforce what the vision is, what the culture is, we get we help students get what they need when they need it. I love it because it's simple, and I can rattle it off and to be able to say, "Hey, I noticed that you did this you you helped fulfill our vision today of helping kids get what they need when they need it. Awesome job, you should be really proud of yourself." can I coach you on this a little bit? Yeah, sure. Uh, okay. What will it look like to do that in the next period? I loved your question about how will you have to structure your lesson so that you can allow that space. Great question.
0: You're getting it. Thank you. So uh, one question I have for you is what questions should I be asking you right now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: You can ask me, how do you stay consistent? That's a great question. How do you stay consistent?
1: Okay, great question, Jethro. Man, you ask good questions. Um, I was in a mastermind with my partner, Gary, and he shared that the number one reason that people fail to live their one thing consistently is because they are unwilling to endure the monotony of success. Here's what we mean by this. You're hearing this, podcast and hopefully you're getting all excited. You're like, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to get clarity on what my one thing is. I'm going to start time blocking and protecting my time to do that. I'm going to start asking people powerful questions so that I can succeed through others. And for the first few weeks, you're going to take action. You're going to start to see results. It's going to be really exciting. And then all of a sudden, the novelty is going to wear off. Yes. You're going to start to get a little bored. It's not going to be exciting to protect hours of your time to be in the classroom with your students. And then it's going to feel like the world is attacking you. Your superintendent is going to be asking for things. Parents are going to be coming up with issues. You're going to have more problem students coming up. All these things are going to start attacking that time, trying to take it back from you. The people who succeed at achieving extraordinary results are the people who go in with the mindset that this is not going to be fun. It's not going to be exciting. It's not going to be sexy all the time. Extraordinary results come when you get clarity on the handful of things that if you just did those priorities again and again and again and again and again and again and again again, over time will unleash hockey stick growth in your life. If you're expecting to live this for two weeks and for your entire world to change, you're going to see some progress, yet that's not where the true growth comes in. You got to be willing to do this over the long run, especially when it gets boring and especially when it gets hard.
0: Yeah. I want to say one thing real quick about teachers in particular, because as we went through that little role play of what questions I could ask and how could I affirm the vision every single time I'm talking with teachers just that statement of, I noticed how you were doing exactly what our vision for the school is of giving kids what they need when they need it. Just saying that really is a powerful thing with teachers in particular, because they long to be part of something. And that is a very effective thing for teachers to hear because, I mean, it's effective for everybody, but for teachers, especially that is a really good way to to start any conversation. And it, it's when you're talking about having somebody else ask you these questions, like I should have known that because I've been saying that for years, that that's how we should give feedback. And yet I couldn't see it in my own situation. So having somebody else ask the question of me was, was very powerful in that regard. Mm-hmm. So that is just an incredibly powerful thing. And I actually used that unwilling to endure the monotony of success with a student who's doing a a uh, personalized project where he's taking going out of his English class and working on coding to meet the state standards for that subject with his own kind of project. And I said, you're going to get bored with this. And it's exciting right now, but in three weeks you're going to be like, well, I'm done doing this. I wish I was just back in the regular class with all my friends. And you know, that, that idea of if, if we don't change in in a big way and keep going um. Then we are going to get bored with it if we're not paying attention. So, mm-hmm. anyway, I, I've got like a million thoughts going through my mind, and I can't quite articulate what I'm what I'm thinking. But I just really appreciate this conversation. Of course, and 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 how powerful will it
1: be? How old is that kid?
0: Uh, he's fourteen.
1: Fourteen. If he were able to learn that lesson now to get clarity on one thing that would make a huge difference in his life and to have the mindset that's required to endure the monotony of success. And he learned that at 14. Oh, I know what could be possible for him.
0: Yeah. A lot of things. I I've been thinking a lot about that as he has come up. Um, It originally started because he was one of those kids that, and this is a situation where I told a teacher something, this kid was goofing off in class and the teacher was fed up and, I, the teacher brought me a note that the kid like totally took advantage of the teacher and totally played him. And he said, I want to, you know, pin him down and make him do this. And I said, it sounds like it's all about control for you, teacher. And then I said, what could you do differently with this situation? How could you meet his needs and find out what he really needs? And so he took the challenge and he did just that. And that was a good example of when the coaching and accountability where I said, this isn't how we do things. It worked and it worked in a very positive way. And so now this teacher is even more fired up because I held him accountable and fired up in a good way. He's excited. He wants to engage with this student on this individual project that is opening doors that would not have been opened before if we would have just said, no, you sit down, you do what the teacher says and you do the work the teacher says and that's it.
1: Yep. There you go. Awesome, man.
0: Yeah, so Jeff, thank you so much. I want to respect your time. Thank you for your conversation here. The last question I ask is, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative leader like you?
1: I'm going to ask you, the person who's listening to this, to answer the following questions. Out of everything that you could do, what's the one thing you can do? You actually can do it. Not, I feel like I should do this. I'll feel guilty if I don't do this. You actually have the capacity to do it. No questions. It's a check off the box. You can do it. What's the one thing you can do such that by doing it would make you a better principal? Pause this episode when it's over. Take 30 seconds to write the answer down, to type it into your phone, to type it out on your computer. Instead of just treating this podcast probably like every other one where you just finish and then you go on your merry way, you're going to implement. You're going to answer the question. That's the one thing you can do because hopefully this has added value to you over the last 40-something minutes and it's started to change the way that you shift in terms of your mindset. However, the greatest results come when you take what? Action. Action take action. What's the one thing you can do such that by doing it would make you a better principal? Answer it
0: and then you get to go do it. Yeah, Jeff, that that sounds really simple. <laughs> and I hope that people actually do take that and, and do that one thing because I've seen a powerful result of that in my life. Jeff, how do we learn more about the one thing and about you and connect with you? Sure. Our website
1: is theonething.com. That's with the number one in the URL. The book is The One Thing. It's all spelled out, the O-N-E thing. And our podcast is The One Thing, just like the book. And um, if if this is helpful and you want more of this, you can go to theonething.com slash membership, which is our accountability program where we really hold your hand every single week while you live this. Yes. And I'm part of that and it
0: is very worthwhile. So I would encourage you to join that as well. Jeff, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Jethro. So that was an awesome interview. I am just stoked that (laughs) I was able to do that. It's amazing when I get to interview people that are so inspiring. So thank you so much for listening. And please do take a minute, write down your one thing, and then send me an email and I will follow up with you about that. Jethro at paperlessprincipal.com. Thank you so much. And please take a minute and share this with another principal who will benefit from the deep insights transformative principles, a proud member of the education podcast network podcast for educators by educators, visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments, you can do it all. But don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time.